0: Hello, welcome to another episode of History Hack. Today, we've actually got a really good friend of mine with us, uh, who is Nicola Lambert. She's a second year PhD student at Birkbeck University College, London, and she's currently working on representations and experiences of seducers in Victorian Britain, which I cannot, I seriously cannot stress this, I cannot wait to read this because I want her to hurry up. So can you just get through your PhD as soon as possible, please?
1: <laughs> i will try because
0: this is like seriously she sends me these really cool snippets of things and i love it i love reading um the kind of sources she sends me so i'm very excited so hi and welcome to our podcast hi thank you for having me very exciting very exciting because we're going to talk about seducers today um which is not as simple as you guys think of what it is because i was completely wrong and uh, nicola had to correct me so before we get on to that <laughs>
1: So manliness was an ideal form of masculinity. It was uh, something that men would uh, strive towards, um, and it represented the qualities essential for a respectable man. So, um, and it was designed very much to be attainable for any man. So it was something that any man could achieve and and claim. Um, but it represented these like really essential qualities. So things like industriousness, which is basically hard-working, uh, independence so they weren't reliant on anyone else other than themselves, uh, self-discipline, um, they, were, they needed to be a provider and protect them. Um, importantly for, for my area of research they had to be chaste, and preferably all of these qualities had to be held by a man who was a husband and a father.
0: So did manliness differ among the classes and workforce?
1: Yeah. So although um, it was, I mean, it was designed to be attainable for all men, um, and the qualities I already mentioned could, for the most part, be attainable for most. There were differences on emphasis. So, for example, working classes, um, because it was unusual for a working class man to be the sole breadwinner, there was less um, requirements on being the provider, but or, or for the independence because. They wouldn't be wealthy enough to be independent and they wouldn't um, they wouldn't be working for themselves most of the time. So they, but there would be more, protect, um, more emphasis on being the protector of the family um, with a far more physical meaning behind the terms. So they would use um, their physical strength. So they would be using their physical strength for their job. They would also be using their physical strength to fight off... Um, any kind of you know anyone who was you know potentially attacking the family or the home um and there was also more emphasis on them being disciplinarians um as fathers so um yeah it was a far more physical form of disciplinarian as well so uh yeah so it was a I would just say, yeah, they were far more physical uh, representations of manliness within the working classes. With the upper classes, uh, because they didn't really need to work for, for their wealth, um, they were less concerned with the, the wife bringing in wealth towards the household, you know, through, through their marriage. So, whereas with the middle classes, because it was very much man goes out to work, he earns the money and the wife stays at home and take cares of the home. It um, was a lot of weight placed on the man being the breadwinner. Whereas with the upper classes, because men didn't need to work, there was less concern or anxiety about the wife bringing in some wealth through her own inheritance. Yeah. And there were some differences within the m- middle classes as well. Uh, different types of professions could potentially provide different kinds of anxieties um, particularly for men who worked from home so, um, so for a man who works in a profession like um, as a lawyer or a physician or maybe a minister it was a very masculine form of profession so they, you know it wasn't as difficult for them to work at home and still be manly whereas for a man who works as a writer or an artist uh, because that could be a feminine job, like a woman could um, earn money that way as well, There was more; it was more problematic for that man to be working from home, which was very much designated as the female domain. So um, there was far more anxiety and pressure to emphasise their manliness in that sense.
0: Let's talk about the deviant side of Victorian history. Define for us what is a seducer
1: seducer i mean although we still have the term today it does mean quite quite a different thing in, in my period that i that i researched in victorian period um and that's really important to know so um unlike today it was a label used for a man who had seduced an innocent and previously chaste woman so the woman could be either married or unmarried but if he had seduced her She wasn't his wife and he seduced her and they had sex outside of marriage. Um, He could be labelled as as a seducer. Um, They were viewed very much as immoral and they lacked self-control over their sexual desires and impulses. Um, They were referred to in um, a lot of newspaper articles and press and other places, they tend to get referred to as betrayers and villains. Um, And the idea was that they were morally corrupting innocent women. Um, And I think I should emphasise that the term seducer, really to give an idea, it has far more closer connotations with today's use of the term rapist. Um, And this is partly because the legal definition of rape during this time was very, very narrow. Um, So very, very few instances would even be um, viewed as legally rape therefore seduction would then include a very wide variety of different means with within which to seduce a woman so I mean it could be as simple as just being very charming flirting uh, but it could also mean manipulation guilting a woman um, or even to a certain extent, they could even use force and it would still be classed as seduction and not rape. So it's very, very broad. Um, and this can also you know, help to give a bit of understanding as to why it can have a much closer meaning to today's term of rapist.
0: So talking about this whole ideology of modern day rapist and, and a seducer back in the Victorian period, it's just incredible because, for me, in my mind, all I can think of is that seducer is a rapist. End of story. Yeah.
1: Um, and to be honest, because of the the meaning behind the term seducer at that time, if you were to hear a man was was a seducer, that is basically the sentiment behind the term. So, although it we have to remember not to associate today's meaning of seducer onto the Victorian meaning of seducer because the Victorian meaning of seducer really does overlap with today's meaning of rapist. And you can, you can really feel it from, from a lot of the sources, the way that they speak about seducers and the way that they speak about seduction, it's, it's, It's very much. uh, It really overlaps with the way that we discuss rapists and rape today, Um, and certainly a lot of instances which are classed as seduction at their time would be classed as rape today, and the sentiment behind that is 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 the same. Back then, you can tell from that the attitudes towards these men, is very much, is very much that these are terrible men. Men, these are terrible men. They they have done something terrible to these women um, and you can really feel that in the, in a lot of the a lot of the sources the only
0: downside is is that now rape is rape and people get punished for it seduces like you've mentioned previously in the story he was just chased from the courtroom there was no punishment for him
1: uh, i mean it's yeah it's a very very different time so you'd get some forms of informal uh, forms of punishment. So for example, the man ended up being chased, um, chased out by a mob. He, I mean, other instances, there would be men who lost business when people found out that he had seduced a woman. Um, Other instances such as, like I mentioned earlier within the court trials, um, they could be sued and they could be sued for quite a lot of money. Um, especially in, like, breach of promise of marriage, if, if that had ended because he had seduced a, seduced a woman and then tried to get rid of him, um, he could be sued for a lot of money. Um, affiliation cases as well. Um, didn't matter what, what the guy said. If there wasn't enough circumstantial evidence to show that he was the father Um the judge wouldn't care whatever his financial situation. The judge would make sure that he was paying for the maintenance of his child. So there were some financial repercussions for men. Um, certainly it doesn't compare to the repercussions for, for women in any stretch of the imagination. But it is nice to know that there were some.
0: What would it yeah. take for a rape to be classified as a rape in this time period?
1: Yeah, it was. It was very, very um, it was very, very serious. Uh, so for it to be classed as a rape, uh, the, either the woman would have had to have been beaten within a, an inch of her life, or she would have had to have been ganged up. So there was um, a group of two or more men holding her down and and forcing themselves on her. Um, it, and that was probably two of the very few instances of which would actually be accepted as a rape. Uh, it is very narrow
0: that's unbelievable
1: yeah yeah it was very very hard but I think this is partly because of um what the sentencing was like so up until about the 1840s you um a rapist would actually be given a death sentence up until about the 1850s I believe uh they it was then changed to transportation and then after that it was a life sentence so the sentencing was very very harsh and so that's part of the reason why it had such a very strict definition. So
0: let's talk about these women I mean the fallen women how do they fit into this narrative?
1: So the fallen women are very much uh, connected to seducers so these are the women who were once respectable and chaste um, but due to you know, an encounter with a seducer, they have sex outside of marriage. Again, whether they were already married or unmarried, as long as they had sex with a man who was not her husband, she was a fallen woman. So the even the name fallen woman comes from the idea of women at this time being the angels in the house. Um, so the idea is once they've had sex, they have fallen from grace. So hence the name fallen, fallen woman. Um, the, the outcome for a woman who was who ended up being labeled as such was was very harsh at this time so I mean uh, they would be outcasts in their own communities their own families often and they would be most likely abandoned Um, if they became pregnant it was even worse because obviously if there was no child then it was quite easy just to not easy, but it was easier for them to move to a different town where nobody knew them and then restart their life. Whereas if they became pregnant and had a child, things became far more difficult. Um, it would be very, very, very difficult, almost impossible for them to find a job that they would be able to get enough income to support themselves. So they would be in, um, they would be destitute, basically. They, um, it was, they would have been incredibly desperate as well. Um, so, they would be left with very, very few choices. So, just a few left would be workhouse, which was horrible, um, prostitution, or death. They were basically the only options left if they had a child. Um, yeah. And um, consequences for women, as I've just described, is a large reason why the term seducer had such connotations with villainy because of this destruction to the woman's life. Um, And it was really viewed as an abuse of their position of power to destroy the woman's life in this way.
0: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless 100 to get 30 30 bit get 30 bit get 20 20, 20 how to get 2020 20, get 15 15 15 15 just 15 bucks a month so give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars upfront for three months plus taxes and fees promoting for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full turns at mintmobile.com so How is manliness and uh, seduction connected?
1: One easy way to say, I guess, is um, a man who was labelled as a seducer could be viewed as an antithesis of manliness. Um, These men were very much not chaste. Um, They had no self-control and they did not protect the women who they seduced. Uh, in, instead they betrayed these women and um, used their, their positions against them um, they were, by that I mean they were very much viewed as the stronger sex and so seduction was very much an abuse of that position so for these reasons you can see that it's an almost direct opposite as to what was a requirement to be manly in this period
0: seduction and prostitution it must have happened and how frequently did it happen
1: so i would say it's very hard to get exact numbers but we can look at i guess you could say some of the outcomes of these sexual relationships and use those to kind of get at least some kind of a gauge as to how frequently this happens um, so, for example, one historian, Lionel Rose, he he did um, a study and found roughly around 40 to 45,000 illegitimate births were registered a year. Um, so these were all births that had occurred outside of marriage. Now, given the stigma attached to illegitimacy, we can estimate that or at least he estimates that it was probably really around 60 to 65,000 instead. So many women would have found ways of avoiding registering their child as illegitimate to avoid that stigma. Um, so we can assume already that that's a larger number. Not to mention that also not all seductions and not all, um, not even all pregnancies would have ended up with a baby. So we can assume that the numbers are far, far larger than that. Now, this is still not a perfect example, because obviously some of these cases would have involved cohabiting couples, which don't quite fit into this deduction narrative.
0: It, religion plays a part in this, basically.
1: It does. It's quite interesting. Certainly, it seems like uh, the dissenters and nonconformists were far stricter with... Um, Behaviour for, for men as well as women, and they had far higher expectations of uh, being monogamous and keeping all sex, um, all forms of sex within marriage. Enjoy it within marriage, but very much within marriage.
0: <laughs> so, I know that you've you've done a lot of research into this, and I know you've got some absolutely just astonishing um, dark uh, and amazing stories tell us. Uh, let's start with how the press reacted to malliness and seduction and then you've got to repeat some of these stories that we, we've been talking about in the past.
1: So there are a few different areas where we tend to find stories of seducers so um, for example the, news, the newspapers quite frequently printed out religious sermons from bishops and other important um, religious members. Um, and so they would print, and some of those sermons um, went into ha- how to handle men's treatment of women. Um, and certain, especially the ones directed towards youth and young men, there was a particular emphasis on trying to train them to be manly and to protect girls rather than betraying and seducing them. Um, Another area would have been um, court trials. Um, Newspapers tended to uh, record in quite quite a lot of detail, actually, court trials. Of course, purely the ones that they found interesting, but still the the trials that they printed were in a lot of detail. and there were several several different types of lawsuits, for example, that could involve a seduction. So, for example, it could actually be um, a seduction lawsuit, um, or it could have been a breach of promise of marriage, or affiliation, which was when a mother tried to get the father to pay maintenance to their illegitimate child. Um, or it could be what was called criminal conversation, which was basically adultery, or closely connected to that it could be divorce proceedings so those were some of the areas that I, I found seduction stories within uh, another area would have been um, more debates and discussions about problems in society um, and two of the two of the problems that they used to like discussing which were thought to be related to seduction was prostitution and infanticide both of which were thought to have been caused by a man seducing a woman. Um, And so both of them were thought to be outcomes. So once a woman was fallen, she had no other option, so she would end up into prostitution. So therefore prostitution numbers would be related to seducers. Same with infanticide. Um, It was thought that women who committed infanticide was because they were very desperate. As as I mentioned earlier, women with illegitimate children had very, very few options. Um, And so infanticide was viewed to be very much connected to that as one. Um, And so there were many discussions about how they can make seducers um, answer for their part to play in that infanticide or the child destruction. Uh, Overall, the attitude in all of these areas tended to be very much of disapproval of men behaving like this. Um, They were referred, you know, they were viewed as unmanly, they weren't respectable, um, and there were many expressions of how terrible these men were for doing these things. Uh, As an example, um, I could give, um, it was, it's you know, a sad case of um, a woman named Mary Newell, uh, she was charged with committing infanticide um, and sentenced to death. And uh, but during the trial, um, the uh, her seducer, the father of her child, had been in court to um, give his evidence of you know, his knowledge of, of the child and her journey and how she ended up in this state um at the end of the trial the audience who had been there were very much aggrieved as to not only what he had done to her he had seduced her when she was vulnerable um she was without a job and he took advantage of the fact that she was she was miserable and she needed a friend he took advantage of that um he and even after that when she was pregnant even though he promised to uh, help her through it financially, um, he was never, he, he avoided her ever since he promised it. So he never actually gave her anything to help her with the, with the child. Um, she even tried to try to find him once she had the baby and saying, she was, and explaining to him how desperate she was and he still just turned away from her. So the, so the audience was very much upset and aggrieved Um especially because he seemed to behave like he just didn't care in the, in the courtroom. So there the anger began to grow. And after the trial, as he's leaving and he's trying to head home, um, they start chasing him. They follow him all the way home, actually um, they're shouting at him and throwing stuff at him uh, so much so that he ends up having to try and hide in a ditch somewhere under a bridge. He's like, Waist, waist deep in, in water and you know he spends like hours there trying to trying to hide from them. When he finally comes out of the out of the ditch hoping that everyone's gone and got bored, um, he finds that's not the case because the crowd find him again and start chasing him again. Uh, and he eventually doesn't actually escape them until he reaches some police and tries to get their help to actually get him home safely. Um, but very much the message of that article was very clear. It's like, how, how shouldn't he be taking responsibility for his part to play? It was very clear if she had had help, she would, she would never have murdered her own child. And it was, it was a very sad case. But in a way, it was interesting to see his treatment during the case. Do we know what happened to her? Did she get hanged? they luckily um there was a lot of there was a lot of sympathy for her, so they actually started to campaign to try and um uh, change her sentencing from from um from a death sentence into a, a slightly lesser sentence of transportation so she did actually have some support on that um which was which was nice to see obviously she I mean she killed a child so she, she wasn't set free or anything but you know at least she wasn't given you know they didn't give her the death sentence.
0: So tell us where do you find your sources because these are so these are incredible incredible stories of people and life.
1: Yeah I mean there's some fantastic stories um so some of my sources are novels, so I I do look at fictional representations of seducers as well, Uh, sometimes it's uh, from newspapers and periodicals, so a lot of uh, the the stories I've already given so far have been from newspapers, so they are um, reports of of real people. Um, Also, I I like to use court records as well. Um, Some of the more interesting ones, so we have The Foundling Hospital. Uh, where women who did have illegitimate children, they could attempt to have their children um, placed in the hospital so that they could go back to a respectable position. Um, And a lot of the statements include stories about how these women were seduced. So that's really helpful. And then other slightly more... um, Similar cases would be something like the Salvation Army, um, who are very interesting actually, because they had a tendency to, and, and other religious groups like them, had a tendency to re, um, refer to seducers as fallen men instead, so which makes it an even more interesting label, even than the, than the seducer. Um, and one of my really big sources. Um, I mean, it's, it's huge. It's, it's a massive, massive, um, memoir of, um, called my secret life. And it's by an anonymous writer who calls himself Walter, although it's not his real name. My secret life is, is very interesting. It basically traces his life story from his earliest memories all the way until close to the end of his life. And, um, I mean, he lives a very long life, so we get pretty much the entirety of the Victorian period. Um, I think it stops around the 1880s, so you get the majority of the the, the Victorian periods and a little bit before, um, so, which makes it a huge, but also um, just really, really useful, and, it, all, and it's literally his entire life of sex. <laughs> um, and he tells instances of of sometimes it would be his seductions of domestic servants living living in his house sometimes it was women who he met on the streets other times it was instances with uh, with prostitutes and it also follows his sex capace for one of a different term. um when he travels travels the continent and experimenting with uh, all of the different um, sexual delights that all of the various different European countries offered.
0: Go on, go on, tell us. Give us, give us a snippet. Uh,
1: so, um, in terms of seducers, as, as that's what I'm more focused on, I think I'll go for some of his more earlier stories. Um, there was uh, one girl that was living in his living in his house um, as a domestic servant. Um, and um, on two occasions he ends up seducing her. So the the first time round um, is when she's actually living in his house and she's about 17 years old and um, little by little he'd been trying to encourage her to um, have sex with him. Uh, He uses various forms of encouragement. Sometimes it was uh kissing kissing her and getting her to sit on his lap and things like that other times it was a far more uncomfortable um thing so he would have a tendency so fyi in this period under i mean underwear is quite a different thing at this time so he would have he would have he would put his hand underneath her skirts uh grab hold of the pubic hair and tug and uh really painfully until she was almost crying um, saying that he wouldn't let go until she agreed uh, to have sex with him for the most part she was uh, able to escape uh, mo- uh, multiple times uh, until eventually they have uh, the house to themselves for an extended period of time to usual and he manages to chase her into her room she doesn't have time to lock him out in time so he manages to get into her room and um, has uh, has pulls her onto the bed and has sex with her there um they end up having a relationship together for a while until he eventually until her father eventually comes along and makes her leave and marry a baker um maybe a, a year or so later he bumps into her again um when her younger sister is now living under his roof and um she shows she tries to, she finds him in the hopes of begging him to leave her sister alone so that her sister wouldn't have to go through what she went through uh he uses this as a, as an opportunity to seduce her again he encourages her to go into a room with him so that they can talk privately and the moment that she's in the room he locks the door and um doesn't let her out until they have sex um and that's just one of his early experiences <laughs>
0: he's a bastard
1: yes yes
0: just wow i from a modern perspective he would be in prison in god a matter of yeah. hours
1: yeah and that's just one of the girls that he does this to is uh, she's certainly not the only one that he does this to
0: how many volumes of, the, of this book are there
1: it's 11 volumes 11 vo- are you serious yeah 11 volumes of this stuff Wow, how how long is each volume uh, i think there's something like uh, altogether. there's something like about a thousand um a thousand or so pages a four pages not a normal book size so wow overall it's it's a lot so there's I mean, basically the lots later, of pages
0: sorry
1: go for it i was gonna say yeah the later the later Volumes he's more into um prostitutes because they have a tendency to be willing to do more weird weird and kinky things but um the the earlier stuff are far more stories like this where um he's seducing domestic servants and this i just
0: a bastard that's all I can say about him he's interesting but yeah. he's a bastard how do you get through this i don't get it it's
1: it's It is actually quite hard to get through sometimes um can be very hard to get through, especially that that story. I mean, the the girl was a virgin at this point. Um, when when uh, the first time round that he seduces her, yes, yeah, so it is it is is very difficult to, to read sometimes. It even especially because he even describes how she's clearly distressed with him chasing after her. Um, at at, at the point when he actually does um, have sex with her. And, She's. She's. I mean, she tells him that he's hurting her and things like that. And he's. And he's just written the whole thing. Um. So it is difficult, quite a lot of the time, to actually get through.
0: Um. Nicola, listen. Thank you so much for joining (laughs) us today to talk about seducers, which is not what I was expecting at all. And how you put it so eloquently, um, without using terms like bastard. Thank you for having me. Join us tomorrow when Mark Vincent will be talking about epic Russian criminals. Basically, these are all stories he uncovered while he was doing his serious day job in the Russian archives. And there's some hilarious and quite brilliant stories of just nutcases from Russian history. So don't miss that. Don't forget, you can become a patron of History Hack for as little as a dollar a month. Just go to www.historyhack.podbean.com. It will help us keep going in the aftermath of the coronavirus and we would really appreciate it as we would love to do so